0: Welcome to Beyond the Wins and Losses, a podcast discussing the Michigan difference with sports. Working together, the University of Michigan Athletic Department and the Ross School of Business Executive Education will strive to give our listeners an insight into the value of sports as a tool in society, business, and everyday life. As Wolverine coaches, student-athletes, and the Michigan Ross Executive Education professors and administrators, discuss this important link for personal and team growth. Now, here is our host, Bruce Mode
1: Welcome to today's podcast, The Michigan Difference with Sports. My name is Bruce Mate, former longtime publicity director for the University of Michigan Athletic Department. The Michigan Difference with Sports podcast, Beyond the Wins and Losses, is dedicated to discussing... The Critical Intersection of Sports and Business. For over 150 years, the University of Michigan student-athletes and coaching staff have used the lessons learned in sports to develop doctors, dentists, CEOs, COOs, astronauts, and even a president of the United States. During these podcasts, the executive education branch of the Ross School and its athletic department will bring athletes and coaches and administrators to the table to discuss what attributes sports brings to this table. Every individual has an exciting yet different story. We hope these conversations will give our listening audience an understanding of the importance of sports in today's culture. Today, we have some of the greatest distance runners the Wolverine track and field teams have ever seen. First, Erin Finn. Erin has built a storied athletic career at the University of Michigan. She is a nine-time All-American, nine-time Big Ten champion, five-time Big Ten Athlete of the Year, a three-time distinguished Big Ten Athlete Scholar, and a four-time national runner-up. Just this past uh, couple of months, Finn received a prestigious Big Ten postgraduate scholarship to continue her studies and and was awarded the Big Ten Medal of Honor. And she was also the 2017 AAU James E. Sullivan Award finalist, only female finalist in Michigan history, and she finished second overall. Next, we have Ben Flanagan a six-time All-Big Ten academic honoree, a cross-country, and a distance champion in the 10,000-meter. He's a two-time Big Ten champion and an All-American and Michigan's first 10,000-meter NCAA title holder since John Shears' win in 1989, a long time ago. In addition, my co-host today is Melanie Weaver-Barnett. Melanie is Chief Executive Education Officer at the Ross School of Business Executive Education at the University of Michigan. Under Melanie's leadership, Michigan-Ross Executive Education has been consistently ranked among the top in the world. But Melanie is also a former Michigan All-American, a Big Ten champion distance runner. She is a member of the Michigan Hall of Honor and the Mason County Sports Hall of Fame. And her academic achievement propelled her to be honored with the Conference Medal of Honor in 1983, just like Aaron. And she also held the 10,000-meter record that stood for 30 years until Aaron Finn broke that mark. So, Melanie, Aaron, Ben, thank you for joining us today. And, you know, I think we're going to start with you, Melanie, because talk about how your career kind of started by the combination of education and sports. What I mean, talk about that a little bit.
2: Yeah, it's almost a combination of education and business and sport, but um, participation in track and field at the University of Michigan was kind of instrumental in forming who I am and the way I operate as a, a leader um it stems from a sense of being able to manage yourself manage your own energy um being able to set clear goals and have the persistence and resilience to achieve them in the face of you know failure and setbacks and um dealing with pressure uh, around performance um understanding how teams work how to um uh manage your own energy on your team but also energize others that's one of the most important skills I think in um, leadership and management today, and probably just as important is the ability to form lasting relationships and to balance the competition with the collaboration and the relationship building that you need to be effective in the workplace.
1: Well. It- being an athlete, you, you have your setbacks, you, you have injuries, you have things, and it really does kind of set you up a little bit differently for life down the road. And when you're in the middle of it, it's got to be a lot different also. Aaron, talk about that. Talk about, you know, when you have those setbacks, when you have those injuries, you know, what has that helped you develop
3: so my setbacks have taught me so many things um they've taught me from the simple such as you know don't overtrain don't too, do too much to more complex uh, more complex things such as Trusting my coach and my teammates, um, and my setbacks have also really defined what I'm passionate about after sports. Um, for me personally, um, a lot of my issues have been caused by, um, you know, improper nutrition and not being fully aware of the um, dietary and rest needs of an athlete. and That has actually inspired what I'm doing now in my current research, what I'm pursuing for my capstone project um, as a master's student in epidemiology, and what I would like to do as a physician in the future. Um, I really am passionate about working at the intersection of sports and endocrinology, especially with female athletes, so I can help women like myself. And um, it's just something I'm really passionate about. And I would never have come to these conclusions if I hadn't had my setbacks.
1: You know, Ben, you know, setbacks change everything. And for Erin, you can see what it's done for her in how she's learned from it. And, you know, both of you are champions and those setbacks have really taught you a lot. I mean, when you see those setbacks at first, you kind of kind of wonder, oh, this is kind of a problem. But then what do you learn from it? What did you (laughs) learn from it?
4: Yeah, I think um everybody's um experience is a little bit differently. Um Aaron and I both have uh, had our share of setbacks throughout our athletic careers and um we both learned a lot of experiences some that are really similar and some that might be a little bit different. Um it's always a shock, you know, it's it's tough to handle off the bat and I think that's part of the process in itself is just um accepting the reality of the situation and then from that point on finding productive ways to handle it. Um and I think each individual does that differently. Um, there's times where I've, I've done it well. There's sometimes I've, I haven't done it as well. So there, it seems like an, uh, a point in an athlete's career when they um, are faced with an injury, which, which let's face it happens to a lot of us, um, you can feel kind of lost. And there may not be um, a well-known structure to it or a plan. So it's kind of a very independent process, maybe some trial and error, and you really got to figure out what what works best for you and i think along the way you you learn a lot more about yourself as as an athlete and an individual like aaron was saying before um helping her rediscover her her future passion in other places outside athletics and i think it also teaches you things that can then be applied um when you're back training full time to uh avoid encountering those injuries again so um plenty plenty of opportunities for learning throughout those experiences and and they're very very hard but you can come come away with um some really valuable lessons.
3: And I'd like to chime in here and relate a little bit of what Melanie said with what Ben just said. Melanie said something about how um, something that being on the track team Uh, taught her how important it is to have energy um, for yourself and also energy to inspire those around you, both in the workforce and on teams. And I think that's something that Ben really um, exemplified when he was injured. He, um, you know, maintained energy and was positive, and that really radiated out to everyone else. And I think that, um, you know, that energy, that helped me. That helped my teammates, and it really taught me that, you know, Not a bad situation doesn't have to leave you joyless. You know, you can be joyful despite the circumstances and that's going to help the future get better. It's also going to help the present be better.
2: Yeah, that's awesome. I think, you know, you've discovered that by experience and, um, You know, some of the research that's been done at the Ross School actually shows that your ability to maintain your own energy and energize others is one of the most important um, skills for success in the workplace. And it's actually a source of power and influence in the workplace, more so than almost any other source of power and influence is your ability to create energy and energize others in the workplace. So as an athlete, you do develop that skill whether you realize it or not. And um, I would even go so far as to say when you're interviewing for a position or um, to get into uh, graduate school or something, you use that as a key point.
1: So every one of you has been a distance runner, okay? And so you're kind of on your own. So how does this teamwork type of thing to get energized and energize other? how does that kind of work for you as a as a distance runner, what's your thought process on it? and how? I mean, how does the team work with you, Ben?
4: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> um, there's a lot of creative ways to go about that. And um, distance running is a very unique sport in, in the sense that um, it is a team sport. Um, there's a national championship in, in, in terms of team scoring, and, and it's important um, how you contribute to the team um, at those meets independently. But um, throughout the process along the way in, in day-to-day training, Um, but a lot of the work is individual, right? You, there's no, there's no passing or or power plays or anything like that. It's, you know, you're out there on the line and you got to do your best for the team. And I think, um, accepting that responsibility and holding yourself accountable that, um, you know, it's bigger than you. It's, it's your individual performance is going to impact not only you, but, but others around you who, um, are relying on you. And, and this is a big deal to them as well. So I think it's accepting the fact that you're um, a piece of something that's a lot bigger than you and realizing that through taking care of yourself and bringing out the best in yourself, you're not only going to maximize your own potential, but also influence and um, help those around you as well.
3: Yeah, I definitely echo everything Ben said so I don't want to repeat it but my favorite thing my favorite answer to the question of you know is distance really, running really a team sport I tell people you know when it's 35 degrees and sleeting sideways go outside um and run a really hard workout with your teammates and tell me distance running isn't a team sport <laughs> there's nothing like struggling with um a group of with a group of women a group of men every single day and um you know, giving your best for them and that draws you together. Um, There's nothing that draws you together together better than that.
2: That's funny, Erin, that you say that because um, my former teammates and I still, when we're together and talking about tough times in life, we refer to the morning timed runs on waters road that we used to have to do because Every Wednesday morning, we had these timed runs. The coach made us do while she drove her car, right? And we were <laughs> running. And uh, for some reason, every Wednesday morning that year, it seemed to be sideways, like rain and 33 degrees, really painful. But with your teammates, you could do it.
3: Yeah, we still do those uh, those Waters Road runs, <laughs> and Coach McGuire drives next to us. So <laughs> it's like tradition, right? Yeah.
1: You know, it, it, but but what's interesting though is when you take a look at that, isn't that's business. You I mean when you're in an office, Melanie? You're, you know, you have to be part of something bigger than yourself to make it successful. And, and I, I mean that—that's something that is hard for a lot of people to understand. I mean, they take a look at it and they internalize, and yet this really tells you what you need to do to create that type of team when you're working by yourself
2: yeah this idea of creating something bigger than yourself is kind of this intangible thing right we all know we've experienced here it here and we can stop and think about you know what were the elements that created that and by the way it's another thing that research shows is critical in business success is creating meaning in the workplace creating a work force and a workplace that is achieving something beyond just you know profits at the end of the year so when people feel like they have meaning in their work and their work has impact, um, it really it has a positive effect on the performance of the organization, whether it's a for-profit company or a healthcare organization or a nonprofit or government or a, in academia.
1: You know, there are or ROIs in business. There's WLs in sports and all that type of stuff. And, you know, when you don't have the W&L in, in a team, I mean, you, you're looking at a personal best and all those type of things. Ben, what, I mean... Does the does the team effort if they're not doing well does that hurt you at all when you know you're you're running and you see some maybe the sprinters not having the type of points that they have in a meet and how does that affect you?
4: Yeah, it's um it's definitely something you notice. Um, you're always aware of how the team's doing. It's it's important to me. Um, I identify so strongly with with the team overall and and the University of Michigan altogether. So, um, I always want the team to do well and. Um, I think it's just important that, you know, if let's say for example, like, uh, what you said, one, one event discipline is maybe didn't perform up, up to what their expectation was. Um, I think approaching that and still a a team based perspective is important. Not saying that, you know, you let down the team or anything that, but, but saying like, Hey, what, what can we do to make this better? Like if, if one person, um, performs less than ideal, that's, that's something that that we can all relate to. And it's it's something we address as a team, not, not particularly um, just identifying it as that individual's performance. So that's kind of when you go back to the drawing board and say, hey, what can we do to handle this, um, move on from it, accept it, um, and ultimately gain the most productivity for um, the future. And I think that comes with a certain level of empathy um, as opposed to guilt. Um, I think athletes... Um, any sort of constructive criticism after the race, they're going to take very personally. So I think approaching it with more of an empathetic um, attitude is something that um, can be a productive handle- like way to handle those situations.
1: You know, and Aaron, if you see one of the disciplines maybe not doing what they're doing, does that motivate you even to do even better because of the team aspect uh, when you go out there and run?
3: I think I'm motivated by many types of things. I mean, to be honest, there's nothing more motivating than a teammate doing well. Um, that I think is the most inspiring thing. Um, but when, when maybe performance isn't isn't quite as good as as you would have hoped for, uh, that's really a, um, a sign that okay, what can I change? You know, to change team culture and to change the way this was approached um, in the first place. And then I think that really lends itself to. Um, Another idea of assessing performance differently, you know, and not just based on this quantitative outcome um, as a as a win or a loss or a personal best. Um, I think something I've learned um, during my time at Michigan is how much uh, how important the process is. Um, And if you're taking the right steps on the process, eventually you're going to get the outcome you want. You might not, you know. You might not get there when you want, but you're going to get there and you're going to build a skill set. And so I think um, assessing performance based on a process um, process outcome and process goals, um, that, that lends itself to much better, much better assessment of how you're doing. And also it's a lot easier to motivate yourself um, because, um, like I said, I'm very motivated when my teammates do well.
2: Yeah. And, you know, we do tend to focus a lot on the wins and losses or the, you know, personal bests and so on. But what you just said, Aaron, is what I think about when I think about what capabilities athletes learn are going to help them most later in life, whether it's in work or any, any aspect of life. It's the things you just described about the process and the idea that you learn how to deal with a lot of pressure in the face of high performance. Um, You figure out how to get through an injury and come back from that so a setback of some kind you f- you figure out how to experience a loss and a big disappointment and somehow get yourself back on track and there are a lot of elements to that there's what you do yourself and there's what your coach does with you and there's what your teammates do with and for you and um and so all of those things translate extraordinarily well into life after after sport.
1: You know, when you talk about performance, then you get to high performance, like the three of you have done. Ben, when, you know, how did you have to kind of change your thought process with becoming a better runner and all of a sudden saying, I can do this? I mean, is there a process that you had to change internally? <laughs>
4: yeah there's probably a few to be honest. I mean, <laughs> I've been to the University of Michigan a long time um you know, five years I spent on the track and field team, and um there's been some parts of it that were trial and error, and a lot of things that honestly took the whole five years to really figure out and um all those learning experiences kind of culminated um at the right time per se to allow my last few races to be the best of my career um Some of the more notable changes, I guess that um i've learned through um being faced or overcoming any sort of adversity whether it be injury or or less than ideal performance or or whatever else um was just accepting where i'm at in the process a lot of what aaron was talking about um you know rather than jumping the gun and looking too too far ahead just accepting you know the data the way it is like how did this workout go today um, that doesn't mean, you know, I can't be where I want to be. It just means that's where I am today. And what can I do to make tomorrow a little bit better? Um, so I thought that doing that allowed me to have a much more sustainable, um, training regimen, which, um, you know, I thought resulted in a lot more higher quality workouts, higher quality practices. Um, and then that translated translated to higher quality races. Um, so I would say that's certainly one thing. Um, and then aside from that, just, um, you know, really being honest uh, with my, with my support systems, those that were very, very involved and influential in my career, um, my coach, my family teammates, I think, um, opening up like really, really honest communication with them, um, allowed me to get the most out of my training, take, uh, take any sort of constructive criticism really, really well and, and apply it productively. So, um, I think we kind of fostered a really good work environment, per se, um, that allowed us to really uh, bring the best out of each
3: other and and
4: bring the best of myself at the right time.
1: Anything you want to add there, Aaron, or is that pretty much...
3: Well, I'm still chasing that big W, so I've been been waiting <laughs> waiting to hear this from Ben from Ben for a while. So I'm you know taking notes for sure, and uh, I mean, I'm if I could could follow Ben's career, I would I would be very grateful. So I'm um, definitely definitely looking to what he did and how he accomplished it, both from you know a training standpoint and an attitude standpoint, and um, as a teammate. So I'm yeah really really excited to. Uh, follow his process and hopefully see what my outcomes are
1: you know and before you know, i get to them again to talk about what their running career looks like in the future and i have to ask you how do you tell somebody who might not have a passion in the business world to, to have that type of motivation that is needed to understand what ben was just talking about to understand where you are at that point and then how you have to improve don't Think where you need to be, know where you are, and then figure out those processes. How do you do that? How do you educate somebody to do that? Because in sports, it seems to come natural.
2: Yeah, because I think those of us who participate in sport in the way that, that, um, you know, Aaron and Ben have done have decided that's a passion of theirs. So their work has meaning, so to speak. So I think in the workplace, that's really what it's all about. And the answer to your question is helping um, people see what is important to them. Stop and think about that. What's important to you? What are you trying to achieve with your life? Where do you want to be in five years from now? And really giving them the time to reflect and be mindful about that and then figure out, well, what is it about this work that helps you do that, that intersects with that? And if there isn't anything and you want to keep that talented person in your organization, then you start to do what we call job crafting and help them create a role that helps them achieve what they want to achieve in their life.
4: Yeah. And um, just to, uh, one thing to add to that, because I think it it hits the nail right on the head is um, this past season, which, you know, is, is, from the outside has been, you know, more recognized as, as my best to date throughout my athletic career. Um, I was honestly having the most fun out of any other season I had and that joy for the sport really was there. And, um, there's been a lot of times throughout my career where, you know, it it felt more like a grind or, you know, the day-to-day process wasn't as enjoyable. So I think, you know, the idea that the passion is is such a strong motivator is something that you know I, I get, that resonates with me really well. Oh, and something else I thought of as you were talking, Ben, is the idea that some of it's really painful and really hard, <laughs> <Yeah>. right?
2: <laughs> and um, <laughs> so um, you know, we were talking about these capabilities that that being a distance runner, in particular, since that's who we're talking with today, um, uh, gives you in life. And um, I was joking about the the fact that we learn uh, very effectively how to instantaneously assess the snow cover on the ground and whether we can plant our foot there or not and what adjustments we need to make in our foot plan and our weight shifting to not fall down. We still fall down a couple (laughs) times every winter at least. Um, I recently um, summited Mount Kilimanjaro with a group of 30 undergrads from uh, Michigan Ross and our dean and some accomplished alumni who are uh, senior executives in the business world. And um, I will tell you on Summit Day I pulled on advice I got from Nicole Forrester who had also summited and I pulled on my experience as a distance runner, I thought about races that I almost dropped out of because I was I was in such you know it was just feeling such pain and, and lack of energy at the moment and I almost dropped out but I finished and I won the race in some cases and so I thought about that as I was um doing as I was doing my assault on the summit as they say and um it was incredible how much that helped me mentally to make it to the top of that mountain
1: and. and- you're talking about the top of the mountain of course a career is there but we have two runners here who still want to continue their running career Aaron uh, you want to go into epidemiology uh, but you still want to run a little bit don't you after uh, you graduate
3: Yeah I actually want to pursue a career in medicine um as a physician I think um and use a lot of this the um the knowledge I've I've gained through my epidemiology masters um it, as a physician but you know running is Running is what I want to do right now and for the near future. And it's something that I want to continue to pursue for my entire life because I have that joy and because I have that passion in running. And I'm going to pursue it to um, the amount that I'm able, the amount that life lets me. So, and At some point, you'll open your mind to cross-training. <laughs>
1: <laughs> ben, you're going to try the pro tour, correct?
4: Yep. So, uh, I recently just joined a professional group, um, under the sponsorship of Reebok. Um, so that's, uh, I'll be dedicating my, um, time in the near future, full-time to athletics. Um, once I get comfortable in a new city and a new environment, um, that's where I might pick up some of the, um, you know, get back into into the workplace as well, some volunteering opportunities, things that I I like to do. But, um, for the next little while, I'll be doing full-time training, full-time athletics and, uh, yeah, I'm I'm really excited to transition to the professional scene, um, see what I can I can do on that platform. And um, eyes are on, you know, international competition, world championships, eventually Olympic Games are the big goals, um, along with a lot of um, incre- incremental goals in between.
1: And I do want to make mention, Melanie, an Olympic qualifier, Aaron, an Olympic qualifier. I think, Aaron, you're still going to take a look at that for a possible uh Uh, you know, uh, career-topping position in sports, aren't you?
3: Uh, Yeah. One fun fact that I know is that in 2016, the U.S. Women's Olympians were as old as I will be in 2028.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's really good. Last question, okay. If there's one aspect of your career here at the University of Michigan that you did not expect, that you did not think would happen, that you can look back on now and say, you know, this is one thing that really kind of sticks out in my mind. What would it be, Ben? What do you think?
4: Hmm. I would say, for me, um, you know, and to give a little bit more context, is I came out of high school, um, you know, fortunately was able to perform to a level that, you know, gave me some some good options in terms of uh, recruiting and looking to compete at the collegiate level. And I was at a point where um, I felt comfortable, um, doing well in almost every single race I ran in at the high school level. And I think coming to the University of Michigan was such a humbling experience, um, because the bar is set so high, um, in terms of trying to stand out or, or excel in a particular area. And, you know, that can be intimidating at first, but, um, one of the things when people ask me why, why I chose the University of Michigan or why I came here is, I, I like to say that for how reputable and admirable the academic and athletic um institutions are here, it's such a down to earth place to be. Um and tying that into what I was saying before is you start to get a sense of, of these exceptional people you're around in the classroom, um, in you know, in any department on, on campus, in athletics in particular, and you realize they're they're just genuine people. You know, I, I watch some of my best friends win national championships and it gives you a sense of belief in yourself that it's like, wow, I'm at I'm at the place where, you know, this, this is an incredibly lofty goal, but it's also attainable. Um, and I think that's, that's a process that can take some time to digest and really embrace. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it took a long time to to finally try to stand out on the athletic scene. But, um, like I said, having, having people do it before you that you know so well and, and uh, are just genuine, um, friendly, and good people is something that's really inspiring to be a part of and motivated me along the way.
1: An and, Aaron, for you it's been it's been a great career and you know what aspect kind of did you get out of it that you didn't expect when you got here
3: you know i think when i was in high school i remember going to football games and shouting go blue and thinking that meant you know i was cheering for michigan sports and uh, through my time here through my experiences um with people i've met with um my classes with my professors with advisors um, with coaches, I really learned that there is so much more within that go blue than just go sports you know it means saying go blue means we're at an institution that promotes higher learning you know the highest learning we're one of the best schools in the nation if not the world um, we are we have authentic people we have professors who are trying to change the world we have um, just so many opportunities to make the world a better place here through education through research through um you know direct impact of the community and through sports and i think that's something that i've really learned is that by saying go blue i'm supporting so much and i'm part of so much and it's just such an honor um to to be able to say go blue and you know to have these resources to make my mark on the world
2: yeah, you know, I think all the capabilities and skills and mindsets that we talked about today, I I feel like, oh, I've gotten all of those um, from my time as an athlete here. But I think what Aaron just said kind of sums it up really nicely, like what you really leave here with is inspiration and this sen- sense of connection. And um, it's really about inspiration to work with others to make the world a better place. And what better thing is there than that?
1: All I can say is thank you. I really enjoyed it. Uh, loved listening to you guys and Aaron. Get something out, said.
3: Go blue. There you go. I love go it.
1: Blue. I love it, <laughs> Ben.
4: I, I was just going to say one of the coolest things about what uh, what Aaron just stated is is I don't think I've ever gone on a travel trip or just traveled in general where I haven't gotten to go blue. And I don't know if that's something that you guys agree with, but it seems like you know you can be in Ann Arbor or you can be in you know, Florida, or you can be in a different country, Canada is where I'm from. But even in like Europe, you'll see a Michigan hat or a block M and you get that go blue. And I think that really, you know, is a good testament to what you're saying about just the global impact that the University of Michigan has. So it stems way beyond just uh, the local campus that we're all on.
2: It's... You know, in my job, I travel all over the world. And I always like to wear something with the black M on it, because whether I'm in Saudi Arabia, or in Indonesia, or in, you know, Switzerland, you get a go blue yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, awesome. it's so cool
1: well i'd like to take this opportunity to thank uh, both aaron ben and melanie for being with us today as uh, we continue the podcast beyond the wins and losses the michigan difference uh, we are going to have more down the road we'll have scott derue from the business school the dean of the business school uh, Melanie has helped us set that up, but we'll be doing more as we go on. And uh, I hope you've enjoyed the podcast to date. And we'll catch you next time on Beyond the Wins and Losses. I'm Bruce Maté. Have a good
0: day. This has been another edition of Beyond the Wins and Losses, a podcast discussing the Michigan difference with sports. This podcast is a combined effort by the University of Michigan Athletic Department and the Ross School of Business Executive Education, working together. To advance the University of Michigan mission to serve the people of Michigan and the world through preeminence in creating, communicating, preserving, and applying knowledge, art, and academic values, and in developing leaders and citizens who will challenge the present and enrich the future.